Spencer, we're here. <laughs> we are here. Yeah, doing this uh, live thing is fun. Good to be with you, Christian. Wow, it's great to be with you. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. A little Merry, belatedly. Right. How, are you, Merry, how was Merry, your Christmas? Oh, my goodness. So great. And uh, Merry Christmas to you. And this week before New Year's, hope you're having a great time. I just saw you. I mean, we, we, we were just right before Christmas. Yeah, we were uh, taking some photos, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, many, many thanks to you. Is it your niece? That's uh, right. Yeah, Megan Turley, and uh, she's a great photographer. And I, f for me, it was fun. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. And it was relatively quick and painless. Uh, a lot <laughs> she, more fun than going to the dentist. <laughs> she's actually a, an incredible photographer and has been on local TV here talking about photography and how to do it. And she's just really great to, to work with. And, you know, when we started this podcast, that was something that we'd always, you know, talked about doing is getting this photo shoot. Now it's almost, what is it? Two, almost two years. What is it? A year later? Well, it's close to two. I mean, when we first started this podcast, we actually started before Gosh, the pandemic. It's and like my brain is just exploding. And we had to retool. Yeah, it has almost been two years. It's just like this. I don't know where the last two years have gone. I mean, it's just like my brain's erasing them, the time. Yeah, yeah selective amnesia. Exactly, exactly. But good to be with you today, and thank you for uh, the holiday wishes, and I sure hope yours has been nice. It's been very, very nice. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. It's been nice to take a little bit of break from all the chaos of work and business and so on and so forth and just focus on family. So that's yeah. been nice. Well, gosh, it's been a while again since we've had our last podcast and lots been going on in your world. I know you're working on some uh, major projects and getting ready for Roots Tech and, and all kinds of stuff. And I've been doing some crazy stuff, traveling all over since we l really last met online. Well, you, yeah. Talking about crazy, you have been literally all over the place, Spencer. I mean, where have you been? I, maybe the better question is, where have you not been? I, well, it's uh, since November, we've been on the road a lot. My my wife and, and partner, Jana, and I, we started in, in um, Miami and Orlando, met my kids. I, I was speaking in Miami, and we so we took the kids and the grandkids to... Um, Harry Potter world there at Universal Studios. And then uh, just re right after that, we geared up for a major trip. Uh, and, you know, traveling during COVID is, is, is challenging. But I had been, we'd been planning on speaking in Cyprus for a long, long time. And we finally made it work. I mean, it's been almost two years in the making uh, to do that. And finally made it there. So Jan and I flew uh, to Cyprus, where I spoke at a conference uh, several times, uh, opening and closing keynote and, and a workshop. And then we were invited to speak in Lebanon, in Beirut, of all places. And what a crazy time to, to go to Lebanon. What a beautiful country. Uh, just, we couldn't have loved our experience any, any more in Cyprus and, and Lebanon. The people just treated us so well. They they cared for us. They fed us some of the most amazing food. But getting to um, Lebanon from Nicosia or Nicosia <laughs> is, uh, you know, it's about a 30-minute flight if you were to just go straight. But it took us 
you know, almost 24 hours. We had to fly into Dubai and then to stay overnight in the, at the airport to get there because our flight was canceled just with all the COVID craziness and flight challenges. But we made it like an hour before I had to speak. And uh, um, so I was on, on, a, on a panel and then conducting a workshop in Beirut. And what a, an amazing experience to, to be in Lebanon, just this, you know, this Christmas season. But they, uh, they really cared for us. We had um, it, it, uh, just experiences I will always remember. They took us places. We had a lunch that lasted like three hours. And we were up for 44 hours straight just traveling and getting there, Christian. I, I, you've traveled internationally. You know what that's like. Uh, yes, I do, and I don't wish that on anyone. Uh, <laughs> but uh, man, it sounds, uh, by all accounts, that it was an amazing experience, and I, I, we need to go have some food to talk about food. Man. Oh my gosh, we we, we because do because we could and, probably spend the entire podcast just talking about all the. I, I'm ruined for life with with hummus. I mean, I, I seriously had the best hummus that I've ever had. It was just, it was like butter. I mean, it was just amazing. And then the, 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 the flatbread that they would bring and the fruits and the, the, the salads. Oh my gosh. But then I didn't tell you, we flew from Beirut to Athens to Santorini and my wife and I stayed on the island of Santorini. What a dream uh, place that, that was for us. It was nice for us to just recover a little bit from all the craziness. And then we went into Athens and, and that was my wife's favorite. I mean, just bucket list trip i mean we got to our we stayed at the hilton downtown athens and you've been there and it is you know in a beautiful part of town just looking right out the acropolis we were on the 11th floor we could see the acropolis from our room and at night it was, it was just dreamy and then we got to walk all the way through town it was so much fun anyway enough about that we got to get down to business we every time we get together i hope our listeners you know don't get uh, sidetracked too much by all of our sidetracking <laughs> All right. Well, let's get down to business, Spencer. Uh, you left a really awesome voice message. Was it yesterday or the day before? It was yesterday, right? Yeah. Um, uh, some things that had come to your mind while you're out on one of your patented early morning runs. And uh, uh, it was really, really inspiring. And so maybe we start with that. Well, thank you. I mean, I like to run and, and be out in nature. For me, that's uh, in, inspiring. You know, I, this is the, the, you know, the teamwork podcast and, and, you know, we, we really need to, to focus on, on that theme and that's really going to be the focus of what we're going to be talking about going forward. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about, you know, I love American football, specifically uh, college football. And I'm a graduate of the University of Utah, and we have a you know pretty extraordinary year this year with Uni University of Utah going to the Rose Bowl in just a few days. And I think you're going to that game, are you not? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, fingers crossed that uh, we don't have any uh, postponements or cancellations of the game because that's been happening here. But yes, uh, and this is probably the highlight of the University of Utah's football existence you know going to the granddaddy of them all the rose bowl uh the the oldest and most famous uh, bowl game and uh we're absolutely thrilled to to go down there i am so excited for you to be able to do that and uh, wish i was was going with you but as i was thinking about this this team and where they've come from and what they've done i just i had some thoughts as it as it comes to 
teamwork. And I, I really feel like this is an incredible case study in, in teamwork. And, uh, you know, for those of you who may not be uh, sports fans or even, you know, football sports fan or know who that is, I know we have lots of listeners from all around the world. I, I, there's so much that I think is applicable to, to you and your business that it is uh, worth a, a look at, at this case study. The, the coach for the University of Utah football team is the second longest tenured coach right now in, in college football. I think right after Coach uh, Ference, or, or, I, I can't remember if that's his name, of, of Iowa, but he's the, the second longest tenured coach. But um, he has just this year become the winningest coach in University of Utah history. I think it's 143 and, and 69, which is an incredible winning record. And, and Coach Kyle Whittingham has been named the Pac-12 Coach of the Year and is a candidate for the National Coach of the Year. And uh, he's won a Pac-12 championship for the first time in school history since they've joined the Pac-12. How many years ago has that been, Christian? I think it's 11 years ago. Yeah, and uh, so it, it's 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 been some some time, and um, they're ranked number eleven in the nation right now, and they are playing in the Rose Bowl, which is the first time they've ever gone to the Rose Bowl. They're playing the number six team in the country in Ohio State. And now, Coach Whittingham is eleven and three in in bowl games. And so that is one of the winningest records of, of all time. I mean, just the last two times they've played, they, they've lost. He was, gosh, it was like a 11 and one and it was the winningest ever. So he has some, some great things going on. And I, I want to talk about Christian, what it is that, that has allowed him to be such a successful coach and specifically this year. And in my opinion, it has a lot to do with identity with culture. We hear a lot about culture in business. And so I want to talk with you about culture and and identity and, and how that has really impacted how this team works together. I am really looking forward to this topic, Spencer, because, uh, you know, oftentimes when, when you talk about uh, uh, sports, you say, well, I'm a you know, I play football or I play basketball or I play rugby or I play soccer. Uh, and it's really focused on an activity that's being performed. Uh, and if I gather from what you have told me over the last couple of days, it's really more about becoming something. It's becoming a football player and becoming a great team. And and that's really what culture is about, right? It's it's It's... It's, it's more than activity. It's actually about becoming something and, and acquiring the characteristics of something that you aspire to. And, and so I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts about this. You know, no, that, that, that's exactly right. And what's interesting is that that theme of, of becoming is exactly what Coach Whittingham and the University of Utah football team is all about. They don't recruit five-star recruits. I mean, I think they've had one or two maybe in, 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 in the years, but it's really, you know, more three stars. A lot of the players that other power five schools, which are some of the top tier schools in the country recruit, we don't get. 
but what we do, what, what Coach Whittingham does is he looks for um, a couple of things when he recruits players. First of all, he looks for a, a player that will listen to direction. So, so feedback. And what do you think that takes in, in an athlete? These are people that are competing at the highest level. So you got to have drive, but so often they have huge egos. But to listen takes humility. And so he recruits people that are willing to listen. That's, a, that's an element of, of humility. And secondly, people that are willing to work hard. You know, that's about effort, growth, and, and, but, it's, but it's all about becoming. It's about developing. That's the theme of the school. It's developing players. And, and you know, their players, if you ask them, they say, you know, one of the things that Coach Witt does, they call him Coach Witt, they, they, they will take players and put them in a position to win. Like, for example, we've had Devin Lloyd, who is uh, won all kinds of uh, Defensive Player of the Year awards, started out as a wide receiver, did he not? That's correct. And I think that's something, Spencer, really, really important that you've touched on. You know, with the feedback uh, thing is you, ha you have to have enough trust in the person that's providing the feedback in order to accept it. And many of the players that you just mentioned started out in different positions, but they trust that their coach is going to put them in the best position for them to succeed. You just mentioned Devin Lloyd starting out as a wide receiver. Britton Covey started out as a quarterback, moved to wide receiver slash punt returner, is one of the best in the nation uh, in that position. And it takes a person, uh, you know, as a team member, they have to have enough trust in the coach. And the coach has a track record of success in this area to say, okay, I'm willing to do something that might be a little bit outside of my comfort zone, but actually is more aligned with my capabilities to become the best that I can be, uh, even if it's not where I necessarily started. I think that's a really, really important lesson that, that uh, businesses and other organizations can take from this. Uh, you may have been hired on to do a certain role or, for, uh, or perform a certain function. If you're willing to maybe take another role that in your mind might even look to be at best a lateral move at, at you know at worst a demotion right. uh but may in the long term actually benefit i mean that's that's a huge thing and and these athletes that coach witt has recruited have been willing to do just that they've been willing to, to take on different roles uh roles that maybe weren't familiar with them or they're not comfortable with but ultimately not only benefit the team, but benefit themselves. Because how many players has Coach Witt uh, placed in the NFL? Uh, you know, you've had people like Chase Hansen, who started out as a quarterback, ended up moving to linebacker, uh, made it in the NFL. I mean, there's there's exactly, countless examples exactly. of these people who started out in one role, moved to another at Coach Witt's behest. They ended up maximizing their potential That's right. in ways that were unbeknownst to them. So, so the whole key here is developing people and putting them in a position where they can utilize their skills at the best level, even as you say, if they don't think that they have that. And, and then there's the third thing that he looks for, and that is that they move forward in complete unity. You, you look at so many teams or even organizations and you know top salespeople, it's all about them, and sometimes they put themselves in front of the team but in this culture that, that Coach Whittingham has created, it is putting 
the team first. It's all about unity. They embrace new players that come in. They recruit all these these great people that are willing to take feedback that are that are good players and that are willing to work hard. And one of the things he says, he says, listen, we're embracing them. This is a coach Whittingham. We're quoting him says, but they're becoming us. We're not becoming them. Right. So often, you know, players want to come in and, and, and make it about them. He's like, listen, you become part of us. And he creates this, this, this family. So those three things are what he looks for when, when he is really recruiting players that are not top tier, but it's all about development. It's all about growth and becoming. I, I really love that, that you said that. But, um, you know, so all of these accolades Coach Whittingham has had, and, you know, he, he is, he's very humble. He doesn't take the spotlight. He deflects all this attention that he's getting to his staff and to his players. He, he, he doesn't love the spotlight because, again, he's all about the team. Listen, we can't get here by, it's not because of me, it's because of, of the team. And he stresses that. And the reason we are discussing this subject today is because we're talking about all these great accolades, you know, the Rose Bowl, Pac-12 championship, um, but he has demonstrated how to create this winning environment, Christian, amid incredible adversity. I mean, this is the the reason why I really want to talk about this because this has not been a normal year. I mean, there were high expectations coming into this year, and it started out. I think they were uh, one win and two losses, and then you know I think they were two and two in their first four games. Huge disappointment, and then tragedy struck. Well, tragedy actually started last year, right? It was December. around Christmas time yep. of uh, 2020 when one of their star players died of an accidental uh, self-inflicted gunshot wound. And so that cast a pall over the entire team. Then, as you mentioned, they had the, the poor start to 2020, the 2021-22 uh, season. I mean, there was only five because- games, right? What's that? There, there was only five, five. Are you talking about last year? You're talking about this oh, year? Oh yeah, last year was crazy for all the you know colleges because of COVID, and then but this year, um, tragedy struck again when another player was senselessly murdered, uh, and and these weren't just like, you know, low level walk on bench player. I mean, these were important players to the team, fundamental, uh, you know, filled fundamental roles. And, uh, Ty and Jordan so running that was back very, was very this... challenging for the team to deal with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ty Jordan was a starting running back as a freshman, just an incredible player. And then uh, Aaron uh, Lowe, he's a, a defensive back. So these, these were contributors to the team. They were. And, uh, and, and then also they, they had to make some hard decisions about players. You know, one of the reasons they started one and two is because they had the wrong person in a quarterback, uh, a person who, who had all kinds of experience and accolades, but unfortunately wasn't the right fit for the team. And so they had to make a difficult decision to move on from that player and put another quarterback in who was a better fit uh, for the team. And from that point on, they really, they really took off. But you're right; they, they demonstrated tremendous unity, and the adversity that they faced uh, was 
was something that could have torn them to pieces, but instead brought them even closer together. Yeah, and losing to their arch rival BYU for the first time since 2009, you know, added to all of that. And and what's interesting, you know, you talk about uh, the the backup quarterback who was Cameron Rising was actually the starting quarterback from the year before, two years before, and and had to be humble enough to put the team first, trusting Coach Whittingham enough to 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 say, all right, we're gonna we're gonna give this other person who has all the the resume and the the winning record and let him and give him a shot, and didn't turn out. And when they very quickly decided that that was a mistake, they corrected that, as you said. But but Cam the Rising, who was the backup quarterback, you know, just trusted his coach enough to say, you know, things will work out. Uh, and you know, could have been salty about it and and transferred. And certainly in today's environment, that's happening. And as soon as they benched the the starter, he transferred immediately. Transferred just to show he wasn't about the team. And uh, and so that's another reason why that wasn't a, a cultural fit. Well, one of the things that you mentioned, you mentioned these kind of three different characteristics, uh, but I would add a fourth, uh, and, and you alluded to this on, a, on your uh, very inspired message from your run yesterday, <laughs> um, but, but this team benefits from excellent leadership from the players. And, and uh, uh, you can't just do it as the CEO or the head coach of the team. You have to have buy-in from the players that everybody else looks up to. And uh, Coach Witt has credited this particular team time and again with having excellent player leadership. And so... As part of the development of players, Spencer, it's not just about putting people in the right positions for them to succeed or developing their skills on the field. But what Coach Witt has done is he has developed leaders. And you can see this throughout the, the, uh, through, throughout the seasons where each uh, successful season has had this this group of core players who really assume the mantle of leadership. And so, yeah, I think that's a great lesson for, for CEOs and executives is you don't have to do all the leadership on your own, you know, um, and to maintain that culture, you need leaders that will you know, be your lieutenants that will help uh, uh, make sure that everybody stays unified. You can't just do it by yourself. You need, you need these key individuals uh, who are in the trenches every day with their teammates uh, being an example and really holding each other accountable. Well, and wow, that's, that was that's, fun. <laughs> hey, we had that little segue there, like, "Whoa, that was that was cool." Yeah, well, it was a good place, and you're exactly right that about he he creates those leaders. And and uh, Brant Keithy, who was the one of the tight ends on the team, said, "You know, Coach Witt trusts his players and puts them in a position to reach their 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 potential, but he trusts them to then take over and uh, really." 
do what they can do. And, and they, they get to uh, have a big say in how, how the team practices, how they, how, you know, the plays that they call, the uniforms that they wear. They get to pick their own uniforms. Uh, and so they have a lot of, uh, of opportunity to provide leadership to each other. As a matter of fact, it, it's expected that the upperclassmen help the, the newcomers become us, right? Become part of them. So Christian, what I want to talk about now is how do you transition from that adversity to, to this winning culture? And how do you navigate your company or your organization through such adversity? You know, we've had COVID shutdowns, we've had economic uncertainty, supply chain disruptions, uh, inflation, vaccine mandates, remote working, employees transferring, you know, like the Charlie Brewer, the, 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 the quarterback that left in the transfer for portal. And, you know, one of the, the, the players said that the reason why they've been able to do this is with all the tragedy of the two losses that we talked about, uh, Ty Jordan and, and Aaron Lowe, uh, Coach Whittingham has done all this by being genuine, by being him, himself and admitting that he, he doesn't know what to say or what to do. So often as leaders, we think we have to have all the answers. He didn't tell them what they needed to do. He, he, he said, listen, I don't know. But they actually created a mantra that, you know, we're not going to get over this. We're going to get through this. And um, he didn't put himself above the team. He was right there grieving with the team. He considers himself to be part of the team, uh, a peer with, with the players. And, and, and he has this love for the, for the players. And there's a transparency that, that he has. He lets them know when things aren't perfect or when he, he doesn't have all, all the answers. And he shows great concern for the team members. I mean, when this tragedy happened with Aaron Lowe, he made the decision to fly the entire team to Texas for the funeral for, uh, you know, to support the family of the Lowe family and to let the players know that, that each member of this family, this team family is cared for. And, you know, regardless of what the, the school budget was, it wasn't not that, that was not important, but it was caring for the people on his team. And, uh, you know, I think that is, just that that idea of caring and and being genuine is so so important uh, i totally agree spencer in fact not only did he take the whole team down there uh for the funeral but he has kept connection and contact with the families of those deceased players and kept them involved in the team and those you know and and they the 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 mothers of the deceased players you know they have been a major source of inspiration to the team and he has facilitated this connection by keeping them involved uh to the extent that they wish to be involved he's not trying to do things that are you know against their wishes but but uh um, clearly he's he's maintained this connection up until today Right. I mean, they made them honorary captains. The mothers were honorary team captains. And I know that Aaron Lowe's mother talked to the team saying, listen, uh, go out and win. You know, she, she actually gave them permission 
to go out and dominate this season. And, and it really helped because that's something that, you know, you, you can't, you know, you're worried, you're grieving, you're thinking, things are hard all around you. Maybe you've had setbacks or tragedy in your business and, you know, what, what would they have, those that you may have lost want you to do? Would they want you to sulk and, and lose? No, they want you to live your life and go on and, and be happy the way they were. I mean, they, they actually, uh, instead of a moment of silence at all the games, you remember what they did, Christian? Why don't you tell us what they did, Spencer? <laughs> they had moments of loudness. So everyone would turn their lights on on their phones and cheer, and then they would show a video of these two kids that just love life and were smiling. And I think this transitions us to one of the things that I think was so important to the success of this year. And Coach Whittingham preaches identity. Now, his identity, he, you know, he commands the respect of, of, of his players because of just the, the trust they have in what he's created over the years. But he has this you know, integrity that they trust as well and care for them. They feel it, the transparency that he brings, but also the toughness, the resilience, the grit, the competitive spirit. The, uh, that's, that's what he brings. But he always challenges his teams to come up with their own identity. What will you be known as? What will you be known for? And I think, this is my opinion, that this team is, has this identity of gratitude. You know, they are grateful for the opportunity to be on the stage, to play a game that so few people get to play, that two of their teammates will no longer get to ever play. To play for a you know a, probably a Hall of Fame coach, you know, winning coach Whittingham also exudes this gratitude. He says, "I have nothing but gratitude for my time at at the U, and it's been a lot longer than I've ever thought it would be." He's humble. He didn't think he would be there longer than four years, and. I think more than anything, coach's gratitude has influenced this this team. And I just I I, I you know, I, I think about these these kids and they're grateful to be in the Rose Bowl. They're grateful to, you know, they're they're just excited to be there. You have four team members of Ohio State that are choosing not to play. And and I'm not I'm not criticizing them, but the reason they're choosing not to play is they don't want to hurt their individual chances for the NFL draft. They're putting themselves above the team. The culture of this team is to put the team first. And they're grateful for each other. They're grateful for the fun that they get to have. I'm watching some of the videos they have right now when they're in Anaheim, they're at Disneyland. They're having fun together. They love to be together. They trust each other, and you know they're grateful for the memory of their teammates. They're grateful for each other, for their coaches to play the game, to be in the Rose Bowl against a great team. <laughs> they're grateful to beat Oregon, who was the number three team in the country twice this year, and uh, it's just to me that has been the identity. And when when you have that gratitude, I think it's it's adding to them just putting their all into the game and forgetting themselves. That's that's what I'm thinking right now.
Well, it's interesting that you make this comparison between Utah and Ohio State. I mean, to be fair to the Ohio State players, I mean, yes, they have to they have to take into account their their own personal uh, situations and not do something that could potentially cost them millions and millions of dollars. Uh, that being said, for Ohio State, the season was viewed as a bit of a disappointment because they really had their eyes set on the playoffs and they were so close to achieving that dream. And then they had a big setback against the University of Michigan and lost to them for the first time in a very long time, which dashed their playoff hopes. And as a result, the team and also the, the fans of, of Ohio State um, aren't looking at the Rose Bowl the way that the University of Utah is looking at the Rose Bowl. And I think this is actually something that's important for teams uh, to take into consideration, uh, not to segue out of the University of Utah too much, um, but, you know, we've been reading about the, the Utah Jazz, another uh, local team. Oh, we get to talk about team, them. You know, who, 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 you know, players have come out and said, you know, we're not, we're not too focused on wins and losses. We're really focused on becoming the best that we can be. Right. You know, and, and, and I think individuals and players and teams, you know, they need to, and, and this is not just applying to sports, but you need to take this into consideration in your own organizations as well, is to say, hey, uh, uh, when we're looking at our progress and achieving our goals, we, we need to look at the right metrics, you know. And, and I think from, from a University of Utah standpoint, uh, uh, because they have done this and they have, they have seen their own personal progress, they can approach it with more circumspection and, and, they, uh, and they can enjoy this journey a bit more than perhaps the other team who, who, uh, and maybe, uh, you know, are, are in some ways looking at the wrong metrics, which is, well, we, we didn't achieve the playoffs. And so we're disappointed instead of being grateful for what they have achieved, which is significant. They've achieved a lot. Well, they have, and um, but that's their adversity, right? That's the, the adversity that they have to overcome, and and we'll see how that plays out. I mean, they're still favored to to beat the University of Utah because they're such a, a great team, but they're going to be dealing with their own adversity. Every team is. Every team has a has a challenge. But I want to I want to get back to this this gratitude. I mean, it just I feel like that's I, I've got a you know. A couple of quotes here from from two players. One, Devin Lloyd, who we've been talking about. He says, "You know, I'm really just humbled to be able to be on this team and accomplish such a great accomplishment." And that was after Coach Whittingham became the winningest coach in Utah history. And then Cameron Rising said, "I have so much respect for him and everything he does. I love Coach Witt, and I am glad to be a part." of this, of win number 142. And then you have Coach Witt himself, I just feel blessed. And he completely deflected after winning that award to talk about his great staff and his great, great players. So I think one of the other things is they were grateful to get to pick their uniforms. 
Yeah, and they picked out some really interesting uniforms uh, throughout the season. But I, I want to come back to something that you said, you know, the quote about Cameron Rising. And you mentioned earlier in the podcast that uh, he actually was not the starter at the beginning of the year. He was he was the second string quarterback behind a, a more experienced uh, player who had transferred from the University of Baylor. And uh, so he was not the starter. And it could have been very easy for him to just go away sulking, disappointed in the fact that he was not named the starter. But he had enough faith and perhaps enough gratitude to, to overcome that initial adversity and then become the starter and become a really a fantastic player for the University of Utah. Because he could have, like you said, he could have just said, well, I, I didn't, you know, I, I, I gave it a shot and they didn't give me the starting position and off I go to the transfer portal. Exactly. And so our question to you is, you know, what do you do when things get tough as they are right now? And how are you going to, to deal with the adversity that, that faces you? Every team is a reflection. The culture, the identity of that team is a reflection of the leader of that team. And whether that be the overall organization down to each individual team within an organization. So not only do you have the, the culture that, that Coach Whittingham brings, but you've got the offensive identity, the defensive identity, the offensive line, the running backs, the, the individual position teams, they, they get to create their own identities and they have leaders of those different departments, of those different areas of the team. I think it's important to note that one of those leaders was Cam Rising, chosen by his teammates as a team captain, even though he was not a starter, because his his uh, his uh, compatriots, his colleagues, his peers on the team recognized that he was a fantastic leader, and they actually voted him in this position. And and I think it's important for for teams to 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 have a place for people like Cam, who may not necessarily be totally ready for the spotlight in the eyes of the head coach. And, and Coach Witt's explanation at the beginning of the year was, well, you know, Cam was coming off a major shoulder injury and physically wasn't quite ready to come back in. And they wanted to make sure that, you know, it was a slow and steady recovery for him. He was not able to participate in spring practices or spring drills. And so, you know, as a player, you can get upset about that. Like, well, I feel like I'm ready, right? I, get me out there, coach. I, I'm ready. You know, I, I'm over this injury. And and uh, and the coach wanted to take a little bit more careful approach. But at the same time, his team members recognized that Cam was a you know was a special individual, and I, and they actually elevated his position in the team to that of a team captain, even though he wasn't a starter. That's right. There are leaders on every team that have nothing to do with with title or or position, but it is ha it has to do with their influence. and And everybody else knows who they are. It's who they go to for questions when they have problems, regardless of of title. There are those people within your within your organization, and and uh, so so that's that's great. You know, I, I just I, I think we get to wrap this this up, and you know, I I love this this story. 
you know, a team that, that had high expectations and really was hit with, with adversity and was able to come through that and find an identity of, you know, of, of, of gratitude, of grit, of resilience. Um, and, you know, as they had these, these moms come in and say, go out there, let it, you know, let it go. This is what your teammates would have wanted. Do for them what they can no longer do for themselves. Allowed these kids to play for something bigger than themselves. And I think that's one of the things that, that, that Coach Whittingham has been able to do is to help these players understand that this game is bigger than them. That the opportunities that, that they have are once in a lifetime. This will be the last game for some of the for some of the, the students. They they'll never put on a University of Utah football uniform again. And how do you create a, a vision for what you want to create and and and, and do it again and again, year after year? A, a high performing team doesn't just do it once. You know, in one month, a winning season or, you know, one game, it's, 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 it's a series. And how do you do that? You get people to buy into a couple of things, and that is to put the team ahead of themselves, to, to fight for something bigger than yourself. What is that for you? What is that for your organization? It's uh, it's a fundamental question. It's a fundamental question, and I and I really appreciate your focus this morning, Spencer, on gratitude and humility. Uh, and I think Coach Witt realizes that he and he says this repeatedly in press conferences. Right, he could not do this by himself. He relies on a, a fantastic team of coaches that help him uh, to develop the skills of the players to to prepare and implement a game plan. Uh, and he relies on a very strong core team of players who assume the mantle of leadership in the locker room, who police themselves and keep each other accountable. And at times he relies on people outside uh, of the team to come in and provide that extra spark uh, or who are adopted into the team, as is the case of um, the, uh, the relatives of the two players who passed on and and you know it takes humility as a leader to recognize that you don't have all the answers yourself and and the team needs to hear from other people not just you all the time you know they, they need to hear from other people in the organization they have to rely on other people in the organization and and so i really appreciate you focusing today on humility and gratitude i i think it's a, a fantastic message for leaders of any organization well, uh, thank you, and and I'm I'm so grateful to be with you today, in between our uh, Christmas and New Year's and this busy time of year. What a wonderful opportunity I have, and I'm grateful that we have this opportunity to do the podcast together. Even though our our video is is not quite working right now, for those of you who are listening, you're not experiencing any of those problems, but. Again, we get to fight through the adversity that that comes to us and, and just deal with it. I I am grateful for uh, you know for you, Christian, your wisdom, all that you bring, all the knowledge that you have. You know how how can people get a hold of of you if they want to know a little bit more about you and, and what you do? 
Well, people can uh, reach out to me uh, through the, you can find me on my website, uh, cnapier, or that's my email. Email is cnapier at gp4.com. The website is gp4.com, gpfour.com. You can find me on LinkedIn uh, as well, just Christian Napier. And uh, Spencer, uh, it's, it's been an honor for the past almost two years now to come to the School of Spencer on a near weekly basis and, and learn from you and, and uh, your vast wealth of knowledge and insights. And you're doing great work with so many people all around the world. So if people want to learn more about what you can do for them, Spencer, how do they reach out and contact you? Well, thank you, Christian. They can go to our website, Altium Leadership, right there. Altium, that's A-L-T-I-U-M leadership.com and email me at Spencer, S-P-E-N-C-E-R at altiumleadership.com. Of course, reach out to me on, on LinkedIn as well. Christian, until we, uh, until we meet again, let's, uh, let's win at work, shall we? Let's do it. Let's win at work and uh, have a great new year. We'll, we'll talk to you in 2022.